My name is Don. I'm kind of one of the guys that hang around here every now and again. Matt and Robin are out on the beach. <laughs> and um, where they well deserve to be. We've been going through this thing called the Theology Project. And um, Matt has taken you through the first two so ably, ending with the idea of Trinity. And um, I want to take up from there. And this is going to be kind of interesting because here's, here's my version of what most people in many churches think of when they think of the Trinity. Think of God as Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. Somehow, the Holy Spirit has either been forgotten or pushed to the side enough that we've, uh, we've lost it. In fact, there's, there's kind of a bunch of books out right now called The Forgotten God, The God We Never Knew. And basically what they're saying is we have like a two-thirds view of God. We, we connect with God as a father. We connect with the Son and the Savior. But the Holy Spirit is, is foreign to us. And because it's so often overlooked or forgotten, that the reality of the Spirit is no longer experienced by believers and churches. Cameron talked about it being a safe place for us to be here. I love this, this church because it's a safe place. But today, it's going to get dangerous. <laughs> this is dangerous material. Because here's what I'll tell you about the Spirit. When the Spirit is alive in you, you become dangerous. And people become dangerous. And the world is affected by dangerous believers in Jesus filled with the Spirit. And if you are here long enough, it's safe to come here, but it's dangerous to stay. Because the Spirit can get a hold of you. It makes all the difference. Now just let me help relieve you a little bit. We're, we're not going to get real crazy today. you know. Well, some of you might. Some of you come in kind of crazy. So... Um, but we're going to talk about the dangerous thing called the Spirit. Here's what I'd like you to know about the Spirit. It's a, it's always, he's always been around from pre-existing God. I mean, when, before the creation of the world was placed, the Bible says he, he hovered over this formless void of pre-created earth. And then early on in the, in the, in the creation, the Trinity is, is caught speaking to one another. And they said, let us make mankind in our image. And from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit is alive. And he comes throughout the Old Testament and he, he descends on an individual for a specific time, for a specific reason, a specific purpose, and then he withdraws again. And then when we catch him again in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, he comes with pyrotechnics in the, in the book of Acts. It's the second chapter of Acts and there's fire and there's wind and there's earthquake and, and, and not only does he come now for individuals at a specific time, he comes, from, he comes for every individual who follows Jesus Christ. And not just for a certain moment or a certain plan, but forever, always with us. And the, and the book of Acts, is it, is it Acts of the Apostles or is it Acts of the Holy Spirit? Yes, it's both. Because that that New Testament church literally turns the world upside down because of the Spirit. So in 
instead of getting too dangerous in the book of Acts, let's just go to the, the teachings of Jesus. That should be a little more safe, should it not? In fact, Jesus speaks about the Spirit a lot. I want to call your attention to the book of John, the Gospel of John. In chapter 14, 15, and 16, it's called the, the, uh, the Upper Room Discourse. Jesus is about to turn the corner and go to the cross, and then he's going to ascend into heaven after his resurrection, and he's got his disciples together, and he's just laying into them the most important things because he's only got a few hours left. And this is what he wants to get really into them, and he wants them to recognize just because he's going doesn't mean that they're going to be just left hanging, that there's something even better. And he introduces them to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read a number of verses of Scripture, and then we're going to come back and camp on this first one in chapter 14 of John. In verse, um, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. Well, you kind of hang on a couple, of verses, couple of phrases as we go through this. He's with you. He will be in you. And then I'm going to throw another phrase on you in a, in a minute. He is upon you. With you, in you, and upon you. Jesus says, I'll not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Then in verse 26 of chapter 14. But the helper, the counselor, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Next chapter 15, verse 26. When the helper comes, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. Chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I do go away, I'll send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world of concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then over in the book of Acts, now, right, I mean, the last words before Jesus goes up to heaven. He's, he's, a, he's, he's resurrected and he's ascending to, to heaven. And he says, let me just leave this with you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And even to the ends of the earth. Go with me back to the 14th chapter if you will. Here's what I want you to see. The Trinity is very clear in Jesus' words. A lot of times we say, you know, the Trinity is never mentioned in the Bible, so is there really a Trinity and that kind of thing? It's pretty clear in this 16th verse of chapter 14. And I, Jesus, will ask the Father, God, and he will give you another, a helper, comforter, counselor. A lot of different translations for that. In fact, as you go through those verses of Scripture, it's I, Jesus, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes to you. He's, he's God, and he's always been God. He's always with God. And if, if we leave him out of the equation, we're missing something about God. Don't settle for two-thirds of a view of God. 
Other thing I want you to see about in these verses of Scripture are the, are the personal pronouns. Him, 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 he, him, he, he, him, him. You just go through there, him. Here's what I want you to know about, about um, the Holy Spirit. He's not a it. He's not a it. He's not a, he's not a force. He's not a fog. He's not a mist. He's not a feeling. He's not this divine energy field. He's not in this, in this realm of the spiritual where there's, we're in this, I'm spiritual and there's good spirits and bad spirits. There's the force with you and not, and your spirit and my spirit might be different, but it's the same spirit because it's all, he, he's not into all that stuff. He's a person. And he's known in the context of the Trinity. A he. And he wants a personal relationship. You don't have a personal relationship with a lightning bolt. Well, if you do, you'll never forget it. But you, 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 you have a personal relationship with, with a person. He's a person. And I want you to see this. Over and over again, the word used in my translation, I'm reading helper. In the one on the, on the screen, counselor. Sometimes comforter. Sometimes advocate. Um, a lot of different words for the same thing. Just to let you know, I went to seminary. Here's the Greek word. Parakletos. Para means alongside. Kletos, to come. To come alongside. So when Jesus is describing this, this spirit, he's one who comes alongside. I like that. He comes alongside. And it's used over and over again, almost four or five times in those next few chapters. He's the one who comes alongside us. So let me give you some words that kind of help understand parakletos, parakletos the, uh, the, the kind of the, the English way of talking about it is paraclete. And sometimes you, you hear preachers say paraclete. I remember early on in my ministry, I was, I was just, I was waxing eloquent. I was just going so deep into the Greek and I'm going, and the paraclete, and all I, I don't even, they don't even use these advocate words and counselor. It's paraclete this and paraclete that. I'm, I'm going, I'm thinking at the end, I have, I have hit a home run. If nothing else, they'll think I'm smart. And uh, I had a, this little lady come up to me afterwards and, and um, kind of looks up at me and she goes, uh, good, good sermon, Pastor, but, not like I haven't heard that before, That's rah, 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 but, good sermon, Pastor, but, she goes, I, I always thought the Holy Spirit to be a dove. And I said, oh, well, yeah, because, you know, the Holy the Holy Spirit come when Jesus is being baptized, the, the, you know, the voice of God, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And here's Jesus in the water being baptized. And it says, the Holy Spirit like a dove descended upon Jesus. I said, yeah, that's, that's perfect. And she goes, well, then how come you've been calling him a parakeet the whole time? <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know how to answer people. It's like, so instead of, Paraclete. <laughs> Let me give you some, some other words that represent how he's with us and in us and upon us. The first word I would give you is, is the word helper. It's what the New American Standard and the King James Version actually, New King James uses, helper. I like that. Any of you need help? 
You ever get discouraged? Despair? You ever get your tank just running on empty? You don't know if you're going to make it? You ever, you ever wonder which way to go? You need guidance? You need a teacher? He's a helper. I, I mean, it's hard for me to even get my mind around this. Jesus said to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I go, I send a helper to you. And these guys are going, what do you mean it's to our advantage? I mean, that'd be like if Jesus kind of just made McDowell Mountain his, 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 his church home in 2018. He just came with it. And he would go all through the valley. Hey, did you see Jesus? Lake? Yeah, he was on Lake Pleasant. They had a big old storm and he calmed it. Whoa! Well, he was just on Saguaro Lake the other day walking across the lake. Whoa! He was on Camelback and he had all these guys up there and he was giving this message and they got hungry and he just had Chick-fil-A for everybody. A little kid had Chick-fil-A and boom, it was for everybody. You could have, you should have been there. And then he comes to us one day and just says, you know, it's better for me not to be around with you guys anymore. Like, How can that be? Well, I've got another to give you. I've got a helper. I've got a helper and he's going to come alongside you and he's going to be with you. Every step you take, every decision you need to make, He's there. He's with you. I mean, that's, that's mind-boggling to me. Because I don't know about you, I need help. And he's there. Here's, here's something maybe you didn't realize about, about the Holy Spirit. Even he, Being a teacher, I love that. It's like he takes the, the light bulb and clicks it on when you read Scripture or you try to, you know, he, he teaches you and he leads you to truth and he's always leading you back to what Jesus said. He's always pointing to Jesus, but in the 16th chapter, see if this isn't helpful. Verse 7, when he, when he talks about it being to the advantage, he says in, in, verse, um, in verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You're going, oh boy. And then he explains it. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. I'm thinking, hmm. What's he, why? What, what's good news about that? That I'm a sinner? Well, if you don't know that you have sin, if you don't know you're a sinner, you don't know you're, you need a savior. And the Holy Spirit comes around and convicts you of where you fall short of a holy God. Now, as a pastor, I take so much comfort in that because I don't have to do that. As much as I would love to, I would love to just come sit by every one of you and point out your sins. I would, I would be so much fun. And just say, well, I and you forgot about that. And then if you forgot about something, I'd talk to your spouse and they'd bring something else up. And I, could, I would love, I don't have to do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Because he wants you to know that your life would be so much better with Jesus. That's my conviction. I don't, I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your history. I don't know anything about your past. I don't know anything about your lifestyle. I do know this. Your life would be better with Jesus than without. I know that. And the Holy Spirit just comes up and convicts you. You need a Savior. We all are fallen human beings. We need a Savior. And as he convicts, in other words, he convinces us. In fact, here's what I know about the Spirit. You don't even have to be a believer in Jesus Christ today. Here's what I would tell you. The Spirit is with you. You would not be here if the Spirit was not with you. The Spirit draws you. The Spirit points to Jesus. The Spirit pulls you in. 
You, you would never, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, you would never even speak the word Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit prompts you to do so, allows you to do so. He's always working in you, bringing you. You are here today because of an active work of the Spirit. You thought it was your wife. It's an active work of the Spirit to get you here. And when he, when he convicts us of, of the need for Jesus, here's what's so great. He convicts us of righteousness, of righteousness. And it says the reason he does that is because he, he, he'll no longer be with us. He's going to go to the Father and you'll no longer behold him. He has a message even in his absence that's as strong as, by, as his presence. I'm no longer with you because I'm with the Father because here's the deal. All the work's been done. It's finished. I'll have gone to the cross. I'll have shed my blood. I will have poured out grace. I will have given you forgiveness of your sins. I will have bought a place for you in eternity. And it's all done. I'm resting. From here on in, I'm sitting next to the Father. We've got our feet up. I'm drinking some iced tea. And I'm whispering your name to the Father. So when he looks at you, you're going... My life, I've messed up. I, oh, I'm falling so short. And he's, he's, Spirit, take care of this, would you? Hey, you're in right standing with God. You're in right standing. You're right where you're supposed to be. Because he did the work. And he's done. So before you know Jesus, when you go to Jesus and he says, you're a sinner, what you do, you, you agree with him. He convicts you. You agree with him. Yes, I know. I repent. I confess. I repent. I turn around. Once you're with Jesus... Then he comes up to you and tells you how righteous you are. You're in good standing. What do you do? You agree with him. For some of us, that is so difficult. That is so difficult. Yeah, but Jesus, you don't know what I did 20 years ago, and you don't know. I mean, I made the stupidest choice, and then uh, my habits and my addiction, I, I, you should just throw me away. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. And listen to the Spirit. It's not what you're doing. You're in right standing. If I could just convince you, you are a child of God in right standing. It's the Spirit's work. And then it says, he, convinced, he convicts us of judgment. And look what the judgment's all about. Concerning judgment, verse 11, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The prince of this world, the enemy, Satan, has been judged. When Jesus goes to the cross, he, he takes the authority of Satan away from your life. In this sin-filled, evil, demonic world, now because you have Jesus in your life and because you're in right standing, all that nonsense the enemy wants to throw at you falls flat. He has no authority over you. He has no power over you. One of the later writers says, just if you can get your mind around this, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. He's been judged. He's been cast down. Just a couple chapters earlier, the prince has been thrown down and Jesus says, if I be lifted up, on the cross he goes, I will draw all men unto me. Here's what the enemy does. He does it over and over again. 
He's known as the accuser. He accuses you with lies about who you were and what you're about. And just about the time you're forgetting all your sin, he brings it up again. And then when you're all done remembering that again, you go back to a class reunion in college and they all remember it. And then, you know, your parent, you can't, and they accuse, accuse. And the Holy Spirit is the advocate. When the accuser comes, the advocate comes and goes, there's no room for you. I'm, I'm whispering up to Jesus who's sitting next to the Father and he's whispering your name. And even when you don't know how to pray, he's praying for you. And you don't know what to do, he's showing you what to do. Here, we read that scripture, here's what we thought. Convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's like, oh, he's gonna tell me what a dirty, rotten sinner I am. And we are, we need to hear that. We are, we are. But he also wants to convince us that you're righteous. But we think, oh, he's convicted me of a sinner and then there's this righteous level. I can never get to the righteous level. I'm a sinner and I can never live like him. I keep trying and I can't make it. And so he comes and judges me. He wants to get me. He's gonna say, you messed up again. And boom, ha ha, got you. You think this is bad, just wait for hell. <laughs> That's not what it's about. Convince you, you need a savior. Your life's going to be better with Jesus. The work's done. You're righteous. You're in good standing. And the devil doesn't have control over you anymore. No authority. Greater is he than in you than he that's in the world. Is that helpful? Oh, man, that helps me. Wow. It's spirit that just nudges you all through the week. This week, you're going to, have to, you're going to hear one of those more than the other. Jesus, hey, you're, you're in right standing. Hey, don't let the enemy get a hold of you. That's the spirit. He's our helper. Second word I want to give you, he's our friend. He's a friend. I love that. You ever feel isolated, alone, need a friend? He's our friend. He's in us. He's not only alongside us but he lives in us. Paul says, it's like, it's like we're a temple, we're a tabernacle, and he, he, he lives within us. So he's always there. Not only does he hear me talk, he talks, he prompts, he whispers to me. He's a friend. Now, I, I just want you to know, this is important. He's a friend, but he's not weird. Okay, he's not weird. When we get talking about the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of weird people. Have you noticed that? They, they, and they are weird with the Spirit. And you hear weird Spirit stories and you go, ooh, ah, I don't want to. I'll, I'll stay with a two-thirds view because that's too weird. I don't want to go down that road. Here's the good news I want you to know. You don't have to be weird to, to know the presence and the power of God's Spirit. You don't have to be weird. Now, there are polls that are taken that one out of three people are weird. So look to the person on your left, person on your right. If they don't look weird. No, I'm just kidding. It's not one out of three. It's one out of two. One out of two. So you, you don't have to be weird 
to have the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not a, it's not a weird thing. It's, it's a normal thing because he, he's a friend. And here's a little phrase that we use in our culture. I, as a pastor, I, I'm not even supposed to know about this, but I, I do for some reason. Um, we talk about friends with benefits. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, he's a friend with a different kind of benefits, but it gives you benefits. Here's the benefits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, I go through that list. Any of you got that all pretty well down? Anybody need just a little bit more love, a little bit more joy, a little bit more patience or peace? That's the fruit of God's spirit. When we only see this, this God in, in a two-thirds vision, we're, we're missing on the fruit that expands our capacity. What this basically is a description of Jesus. And when he lives in us, he starts transforming us. He starts making us into, into like Jesus so that we love like Jesus. We have peace like Jesus. We have patience like Jesus. We have kindness and goodness like Jesus. It's, it's part of the, of the benefits of that. When, when we talk about you know, go love, and we spent a whole month on, on go love. I don't know about you, but I hit a love ceiling pretty quick with a lot of people. Some of you in the parking lot, actually. I just, boom, I can't love you anymore. You drive like that. It's just, you know, <laughs> the thing is, we all, we have this, this love. Here's what the Spirit does. It expands our capacity to love. So that Paul says, you know what? You can, you can do all these great spiritual things. You can speak in every kind of language you can think. You can speak in, in languages of, of the angels. You can know everything there is to know. You can know mysteries. You can know who shot JFK. You can know all prophecies. You can know when the world's going to end and what afternoon and what it's going to look like. <laughs> you don't have love. You can have faith and move mountains. You can do miracles. But no love. You can, you can give of yourself until you're helping every poor person in the world. You can, you can give so much that you sacrifice yourself as a martyr. But if you don't have love, you missed it. But the fruit of God's spirit is love. It, is, it so expands your capacity that your marriage will be different, your relationships will be different, your children will be different, your friend, it'll all be different because it expands it to the point where it's so different that people will look at the way you love one another and say, you know what? That's a follower of Jesus. That's a disciple of Jesus. By the way, they love. All the fruit is a benefit. All the gifts. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, over 20 gifts that are mentioned. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he gives at least a gift, probably a mixture of gifts that not only are beneficial to you, but are beneficial to his kingdom work, beneficial to the church. In fact, what makes this church be what it's supposed to be is you being in here with the gifts of the Spirit, employing your gifts of the Spirit, empowering the gifts of the Spirit that he gives you to make a difference that the kingdom work continues to advance in this area and, and all over the world. Wonderful gifts that he has. He's, he's a friend. And he has gifts and he has benefits. He has fruit. Then one last word I'd give you. He empowers us. 
He empowers us. He comes upon us. Sometimes the words used are infilling of the Spirit or baptism in the Spirit. It's an immersing in the Spirit. It's God's Spirit coming upon us and in such a powerful way that he does stuff in us that's beyond us. First, it's an individual thing. When we talk about the Spirit saying, hey, you're in good standing with, with God, don't you? Where you have righteous standing. That's the Spirit's work to reveal that. But the Spirit takes it one step further and says, not only are you in good standing with God, I'm going to empower you to live out that right standing with God. I'm going to empower you that your life becomes distinctively different. I am going to make you holy. I'm going to make you a cut above what's natural in this world and what's sinful in this world and what's abused in this world. You're going to, you're going to live distinctively more like Jesus. I'm going to transform you and change you and empower you to do what I'm asking you to do. And then he says, not only does it stop with you, but I'm going to take you and I'm going to use you and empower you. I'm going to come upon you, Jesus says, in order that you might be witnesses of me in Judea and Samaria as well as in Jerusalem and to all the ends of the earth. The strength and the power of God to make you different. Here's what we think about the power of God in that case. It's like, it's the, it's the imperfect power. Um, or imperfect work of God in a, in a perfect person that makes God's work go. And it, it's just the opposite. It's God's perfect work in an imperfect person. And you thought, God can't use me. God's, God's put me on the shelf. God dis disregards me. I, I've blown it. I've gone too far. I'm, I'm too, I'm not smart enough. I'm not happy enough. I'm not whatever. I don't go to church enough. I, I just want you to know the power of the Spirit is his perfect work in you, an imperfect person. In Acts 120 people gathered in a house and they were, they were scared to death up in this upper room because all the Christians were getting slaughtered and Jesus himself was crucified. They, they crucified the Son of God. What are they going to do to us? They bar the windows. They bolt the doors. They're standing there praying, oh God, help us, oh God, help us, oh God, help us. And all of a sudden, whoo, a mighty wind. Fire from heaven falling. Hope place shakes and the spirit comes down on every one of them and comes upon every one of them and fills them with, with his power and, and they burst through that room out the doors into the streets of Jerusalem and they change the city for Christ. And the church starts coming together and congealing together and it can no longer be held in Jerusalem. And before long, it's going to Asia Minor and it's going into Europe. And before long, we're sitting in Scottsdale, Arizona, thousands of years later because he empowered 120 very imperfect people to take the message. And they were led by a guy named Peter. <laughs> Peter of all people. Peter, the one who said to a junior high girl, I never knew this guy. I don't, even, I don't even know who Jesus is. Peter, the one who after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, goes into the streets of Jerusalem, preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people come to Jesus that day. That's power. He's our friend. He's our helper. And he empowers us. Here's what I want you to know. He uses imperfect people. How do I know that he, he uses me? And um, I can remember a time in my life when it, it, was, it, was, it was rough. And I just, I just didn't think I had what it takes. And a pastor friend called me up and said, hey, I want you guys 
come talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. I'm going, oh, good grief. Oh, no. He goes, yeah, I, you know, I just want, I just, let's just together I'll pray. Lori and I both went over there. This is a long time ago, I'll tell you, because this is what he said. You know what? You guys are young, good-looking, and talented. Not, well, Lori maybe, but, and he goes, the problem is you're trying to do it all on your own. And that is wearing you out. You need the Holy Spirit to take over. He goes, I'd like to pray. I go, if, he, if I get that, they'll kick me out of our, they'll kick me out of our denomination. You kidding? He goes, he goes, don't worry about all the manifestations. You're not praying for the manifestations. You're praying for the person. The person of the Holy Spirit. Let him do whatever he wants with the manifestations. You accept Jesus by faith. You accept and receive the Spirit by faith. And he prayed and we responded. And I, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. After praying through, I think I was even on my knees, praying through, got up and I felt absolutely nothing. Nothing. No goosebumps, no warm oil. No howling, no falling down, nothing. But you know what? That day, something changed in me. Something changed. I came to know the Spirit as my helper. I came to know the Spirit as my friend. It's with me. And I don't understand it, but I came to know his anointing and his power. I got to confess, I'm not smart enough, clever enough, strategic enough, bold enough, you name it enough to be a pastor. I'm not. But I do know there are times when God comes upon me I speak anointed words. And I do anointed ministry. Not because of me. Because of him. 